Well, good morning once again, and we want to wish you a very happy Easter. This is entitled, I vow never again to turn my gaze from thee. I take this sacred vow. Never will I lower my love's gaze below the eyebrow horizon of my constant thoughts of thee. Never will I turn my uplifted inner sight away from thee. Never will I let my mind dwell on anything that reminds me not of thee. I will disdain the nightmare of ignorant behavior. I will court all dreams of noble achievements, those of love, kindness, and understanding, for they are thy dreams. Though I dream many dreams, wakefully I will ever think of thee. In the sacred fire of constant remembrance, kept ever alight on my soul's altar, I will ever behold thy presence with the watchful eyes of devotional love. Thy grace has shown me that the dualities of health and sickness, life and death, joy and sorrow are but passing fantasies. I am finished with those eternally self-canceling delusions. I am persuaded at last that there is but one abiding reality, thy eternal, ever-conscious, ever-new, ever-thrilling, infinite bliss. That seemed very appropriate for Easter, where it's the contradiction of suffering and pain and loss with the profound unescapable affirmation that God's eternal existence, his joy, is the only reality. This is the message of Easter. And as we said earlier at the purification, I believe that Good Friday, the crucifixion and the resurrection are really the most mystical and profound of all of Christian experiences, and not just Christian, but all for all humanity. Because, yes, Sri Teshwar was resurrected. Many great saints have been resurrected. Master appeared to people after his death. But it wasn't with that same drama, the drama of that loss. And there's a beautiful spiritual from uh, black Americans that has just been repeating in my heart these last couple of days. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Ah, me, it causes me to tremble. And really, when you think about it, it and just as Narani described it, it's just hard to believe that such a thing could happen. And yet, here we have our own lives, each one of us. And each one of us have our own Or Christ said, he who will not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So the spiritual path is one of taking up our cross, of saying, yes, I will, I will accept whatever you give me, God, and I will not complain, and I will try to see past the form of illness and loss and suffering and feel your presence there. 
a few days ago, we had an astral ascension for a dear friend, Judy Fox, who lived with us in the early 1980s when we were just getting the work started in Europe, in Italy. Swami sent us there. And it was a very, you've heard us say this before, but it was a very difficult, difficult time. It was, it was the coldest winter in 100 years. We were living in an unheated house. We had very little money, very little heat. We had these little space heaters. And all of our clothes had these big burns on them because you would stand so close to the heater and someone would say, ah, oh, you're on fire, Diana." <laughs> and there was Diana, Jatish, me, Judy, and a few others. And it was a very difficult time, but I think for all of us, speaking of the resurrection, it was a time where we realized, God, I'm not holding anything back. Whatever you take is fine. I'm not going anywhere. I am here with you. And then at Judy's astral ascension, her companion, wonderful partner, Rick, who they were together for the past 37 year, 27 years, he said, he quoted her of saying something that it's really stuck with me since he said it, and she said it originally. So she had been with us, she had gone through the, the winter of, not despair, but of tests. And then she came back, and after some time she met Rick, her, who became her life companion. And she, he wasn't on the spiritual path, and she wanted to draw him. And so she said, after 10 days of knowing him, she said, you should go to Assisi because, and this is the line that is very profound, the farther you are from, God, from home, the closer you are to God. I thought, oh, how beautiful. Because when we're comfortable and happy, everything around us is perfect, we don't think about God so much. But when we're not certain, when we're suffering, when we're frightened, when we seem to have lost everything, the farther you are from home, the closer you are to God. And that's something to remember. That was Judy's gift to us. And just for all of us to understand that, as Master said, the spiritual, the way to God is the path of martyrdom. And we don't have to go out and seek it. It will come to us. And when it comes, it's the test. The test, will I turn away? Will I say, oh, this is too hard? Or will I say, I am here with you, Lord? Just as all the saints have done through time immemorial. Everyone, their life is, no matter what came, they stood firm. There was, we heard a number of years ago, a lecture given by a, Swami called him a modern-day saint. His name was Richard Wormbrand. He was a uh, Christian minister in, at the time in communist Romania. And he was uh, put into prison because the communists didn't want Christianity existing there. And not only in prison, but he was put in solitary confinement in an entirely darkened room. He had no light. They would open a little slit under the door and push food in. And also it was padded, so he heard no sound, he saw no light, and they would torture him regularly. He, 
when he came to the United States, he was asked to address Congress. And some of the senators said, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. And he took off his shirt and he turned around and he said, my back was broken three times by the beatings. And we heard him speak at a church he was in Nevada City. He was one of the most radiant men I have ever, person I had ever beheld. He had no teeth because his teeth had all been knocked out. He just had silver teeth. His back had been broken many times, but he stood before us and all he radiated was the love of God and the love of humanity and light and joy. And as he told his story about what it was like in that prison cell, finally public outcry forced the government, the regime to release him. But he said, you know, in total darkness, you can see the most beautiful light. And in total silence, you can hear the most beautiful sound. And that was God's gift to him from that time. And so in each of our lives, who among us has not had some cross to bear, but who God loves most, he tests the most. And that's the truth. So don't be afraid. Don't think you've done something wrong if your life is difficult, if you've lost everything you've worked for. Take it as God's grace. Oh, he's helping me to refer always to him, always to him as the source of everything. And then the other message of the crucifixion came to me recently. I was asked to write a introduction for a book that Nidruva has finished recently. And the title of the book is The Yogic Way of Integrity. And it's the life of many men and women who had led lives of integrity against all odds. They never compromised. And as I was writing the introduction, I was writing, and Ms. Rush mentions people like Jesus, Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King. And I thought, oh my gosh, what do they all have in common? They were crucified or assassinated, every one of them. And I, it took me pushed me back for a minute, and I thought, God, why? Why do you take the great ones and leave us with what you leave us with? (laughs) You can fill in the blank. But it's because it, and, and I want to read to you something. This is, that helped me understand. This is from Swami's marvelous book, The Promise of Immortality, which is, Uh, more in-depth explanation of the Bible and the Gita. So this is what Swami says. I'll just read two paragraphs. The crucifixion epitomizes the persecution that the world inflicts on those who live for God. For it often happens that in exchange for divine love and friendship, Devotees receive hatred and contempt. Those who are drunk with pride resent any reminder 
of their unimportance in the general scheme of things, that only their souls are important as expressions of God. The resurrection gives not only the comforting reassurance that heaven does exist, but that love and joy in the end are more powerful than hatred. Thus, and very fittingly, the crucifixion and the resurrection dramatize together the two essential conditions for knowing God, willingness to face for his sake any test that comes, and faith to accept it with love and courage, firm in the knowledge that all things pass, whereas God's love for us is ours forever. And that's the point of the resurrection, those two things. One, that everything that comes, comes from God, and that the goodness in the world, the integrity, the truth, will always be pushed back against by the forces of materialism. And it's not a surprise. It shouldn't be, because the four, just as in Jesus' time, Pontius Pilate and the Romans, they had the physical power. They could take Christ, and they could beat him, and they could make him walk up the hill bearing the cross, and they could crucify him. But that was, that was physical, material power. But Christ had a different kind of power, as do all people, all saints and all people of integrity to some extent have the power to resurrect above that hatred and to say, this reality exists. No matter what you do to this body, you can kill a thousand Christs and still his message would come. Just as when he was entering into uh, Jerusalem in that last week and the Pharisees, I don't mean to make light of it, but I always wonder, who are these Pharisees? You know, it's just like this... Uh, kind of amorphous group of people, troublemakers. Anyway, <laughs> the Pharisees said, oh, you shouldn't have your followers praising you so much. Praise should only go to God. And what did Christ say? He said, if I would tell them to stop, the very stones would sing out my praise because the universe resonates with truth. It resonates with that vibration of goodness and kindness. And no matter how many times mankind tries to stamp it out, it will be resurrected. I have a friend who's um, a man that lives in our Sacramento community. His mother lived in Germany. They are a Jewish family lived in Germany, and she was able to escape before the war started, World War II. And then after the war, she lived in a small town. The people of that, and most of the Jews were sent to concentration camps and killed. And the people of the town felt so much remorse that a few years ago, they invited, they traced down any living ancestors of the people who had been killed. And they invited them to come for a ceremony of forgiveness, essentially. And so my friend Brian accompanied his mother to go to this ceremony. And there had been a beautiful Jewish synagogue which had been burnt to the ground. Nothing was left, only ashes. But the one thing, when they were going through the ashes and they made a shrine to this, 
there was a little piece of parchment from the Jewish holy book, the Torah. And when the, when the t- t- synagogue burnt down, the glass melted, and it preserved that little piece of parchment. And, and that parchment said in Hebrew, I am with you always, and my protection and love are always with you. That's all that remained of the synagogue. And they made a beautiful shrine to it. And our friend Brian said it was quite a powerful, powerful ceremony weekend that they all shared. But all that to say, the world is going through a time now where truth and moral values and religious leaders, everything, it's all confused now. And all the more important for people who love God, for people, whatever faith it is, doesn't have to be our path, but any path, that we affirm the reality of truth and virtue and goodness and love and joy, no matter what happens. As Swami said in one of his songs, the world could change or disappear, but truth will never die. Christ will never die. Love will never die. And this is what we need to live in, whatever the future holds, whatever tests come individually or globally, just to remember that beyond the dreams of this world, the false dreams, there, as we read in the Whispers from Eternity, the only true dream is God's eternal love for us, his eternal bliss, and his light that shines forever through the darkness, through the shadows. A friend of ours was having a difficult time, and Jatish gave him some very good advice. He said, look for the lightest part of the fog. That's what we need to do now. Look for the lightest part of the fog and put our whole heart, our whole love, our whole faith in the realization this will not pass. The world may pass, but this will not pass. That is why we came. And it's what we know on some level of our being. And we just have to live it more and more completely, more and more enthusiastically, as we did in the affirmation. And that joy will one day be the only reality that exists in our hearts. So God bless you all.